Our scripture reading today is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 51. Again, that's Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 51. And the word of the Lord reads, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, They went up according to custom, and when the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. I'll tell you a story about my grandmother. She's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. But she would frequently call me Tony Todd. Now, for those of you who don't know, my name is Tony Carter. But my grandmother would frequently call me Tony Todd. And every time she would call me Tony Todd, she would laugh. Every time she said it, she would laugh. And every time she said it, people would be wondering what she's talking about, and she'd have to explain it. Now, I vaguely remember the incident, but I know it well because she rehearsed it so often. And it was Christmas time, and I was about eight or nine years old. But it was Christmas, and we were at the mall. And my grandmother was with us, too. Now, growing up where I did, one of the great treats of Christmas time is that you got to go to the city. You got to go to the city, and you got to do some Christmas shopping. And the favorite place to go was the mall with all the lights, with all the people, with all the sounds, with all the toys. And in those days, beloved, believe it or not, people often let their children roam the stores. We get to, we get to the mall and we just go. And I'm eight or nine years old and I'm roaming about the store and before long, I was lost. I don't know how long I roamed around that place, but eventually, eventually an officer asked me my name. And then he took me to the information desk. And having my name, somebody got on the mall speaker and said, could a parents of Tony Todd please come to the information desk? The parents of Tony Todd. 
And my grandmother got a kick out of that for the rest of her life. I don't remember mispronouncing my last name. But apparently, the officer and the people at the desk did. Losing children in the midst of large holiday gatherings, beloved, isn't new. In fact, our text reminds us it wasn't just my mother and grandmother who misplaced the child. It was Mary and Joseph. Even in biblical times, <clears throat> keeping up with children in the hustle and bustle of a holiday can be difficult. And losing one, particularly distressful and worrisome. And this was the experience that we see in our text this morning of Mary and Joseph at the end of Luke chapter 2. According to our text, the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph, in verse 41, and Mary and Joseph had come to Jerusalem for the yearly celebration of Passover. This was according to the custom and according to the commands that God had given them in the Old Testament. Every Jewish male was required to be in Jerusalem at least three times a year for the Feast of Tabernacle, for the Feast of Pentecost, and for the Feast of Passover. Now, those were difficult trips, particularly if you lived in the far reaches of the nation of Israel. And it was difficult to make that trip three times a year. And so many people only made the trip twice, and some only made it once. But if you only had to choose one, if that was the case for you, the one you would choose was the Feast of Passover. It was a celebration of choice. It was the week-long celebration of God's epic deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it was a grand celebration. And the Bible tells us here that Joseph and Mary went every year, every year up to Jerusalem. But it would seem to say to us that this was probably Jesus' first trip since the days of his infancy. And being in Jerusalem during Passover would have been a very exciting time, beloved. Exciting time. The population of the city would have easily quadrupled, and maybe even more than that, during the festival. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people would have filled the streets. The markets would have boomed and more markets would have been set up. And makeshift housing would have been seen all throughout the city. Everywhere, everywhere there were people. And it was a joyous time. But it was not just a joyous time, beloved. It was also a dangerous time. A dangerous time. 
But history tells us that the roads that led up to Jerusalem were not safe. They were not safe roads. And, and thieves and robbers, especially during festival season, would populate the roads and lie in wait and attack the vulnerable and attack the unaware. And the pilgrims who were making their way up to Jerusalem for these feasts understood that. And we know they understood that because of Psalm 121, a psalm that they would pray, a psalm that they would sing as they made their way up to Jerusalem for the feast. It reads, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, and he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That's what they would sing. That's what they would pray as they made their way to Jerusalem for the festivals. Because they understood that the journey was going to be a perilous journey, that the trip was going to be a difficult one. And therefore, they traveled in large groups, caravans of families and, 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 and friends. And, and this provided safety. This provided community. This provided encouragement along the way. And then when they would be approaching the city of Jerusalem, and as the crowds got thicker and thicker, the people, the sights, the sounds, and the smells would just be coming from everywhere. And you can imagine a young boy coming into this for the very first time, probably roamed those city streets day and night. Roaming those city streets day and night, finding new and exciting things to do like most 12-year-olds would do. And yet we understand that this was no ordinary 12-year-old. And after seven days of celebration, after seven days of feasting and a festival, it was time to pack up and go home. The caravan was assembled. The family and friends gathered together. No doubt they prayed again, Psalm 21. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord will keep our life. Our going out and our coming in. He will be with us this day and forevermore. And they set out. And after a full day's journey, the Bible tells us they probably came to a stop 
the evening, the first evening for rest. And as they were preparing to eat, Mary said to Joseph, and we all know how this conversation went. Mary looked to Joseph, didn't, he? <laughs> didn't she, Jesse? And said, where's Jesus? And Joseph replied, well, I don't know. I thought he was with you. And Mary replied, no, he was supposed to be with you. And the angst set in. And the worry. And the stress. Silence for a second. And then the search began. And they searched the caravan. High and low, back and forth, asking all the friends and questioning all the family, know Jesus. They must have left him in Jerusalem. Can you imagine? A full day's journey. And know Jesus. That's a full day's journey, beloved. Back to the city looking for their 12-year-old son. And the Bible tells us that they got back to Jerusalem. But the question I have is like, where do you start? Where do you start looking? There are no microphones. There are no loudspeakers. There is no information desk. And all of that was just as well because, unlike me, Jesus wasn't lost. Jesus wasn't confused. Jesus wasn't afraid. Jesus didn't mispronounce his name. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 43 that Jesus stayed, by, stayed behind intentionally. That he knew what he was doing. And they searched for him in that city three days. Three days. That's five days, beloved. Five days. The angst, the worry, the stress. And when they found him, they discovered that Jesus wasn't trying to get back home. In fact, beloved, he was already home. He was home in the temple. Now listen, beloved. We don't know what Jesus was doing between the ages of 1 and 12. The Bible does not record for us. Perhaps he was playing with sticks. Perhaps he was kicking balls. Perhaps he was skipping rocks. I don't know. 
But I do know this, that at the age of 12, the Bible tells us that Jesus was conscious of who he was and what he had come to do. 12 years old. Think about that, beloved. What were you doing at 12 years old? Most 12-year-old boys I know got games and girls on their mind. I know I was playing Atari and trying to navigate puberty. Now, Jesus, here is Jesus, not with games and girls on his mind, but God. God on his mind. The will of God. The word of God. The ways of God. And this, beloved, was amazing. Absolutely amazing. It amazed everybody. It amazed the teachers in the temple. It amazed the priests. It especially amazed his parents. Absolutely amazing. I hope it amazed us this morning. I hope that we would be amazed again. For here we see the amazing boy, Jesus. We throw that word around loosely, don't we? We see child prodigies like Mozart or Blaise Pascual or Stevie Wonder, Tiger Woods, and we say amazing. We even call Spider-Man amazing. And you know he's not. He just got bit by a spider in an experiment gone bad. No, he's not amazing. Amazing, beloved, is Jesus. At 12 years old, they found him sitting in the temple among the great teachers of the day, listening and questioning them. Verse 47, everyone says, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Amazed. Amazed at his understanding. Amazed at his wisdom. Amazed at his answers. And this was Passover, remember? No doubt, no doubt, all the well-known teachers, all the popular teachers were present, as well as were many of their students. But I can guarantee you that there were not many 12-year-old boys in that temple stumping the teachers with questions. But Jesus was, and everyone, everyone, beloved, everyone was amazed. Amazed. The, the word literally means out of line with the senses. Out of line with the senses. In other words, this was not normal. This goes against everything that we had seen and known before. Children don't do this. This was not ordinary. This was extraordinary. This was extraordinary. Amazing. But amazing is who Jesus is. Amazing is who Jesus is. 
Everything about our Lord, everything about our Lord was amazing. And everyone who came in contact with him was amazed. From the shepherds to the wise men, from Simeon to Anna, all were amazed at Jesus. And this he did his whole life. Everywhere he went, he amazed people. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse, uh, verse 12, when, when Jesus healed the paralyzed man and forgave his sin, the Bible says, this amazed everyone. And they praised God. It says, we've never seen anything like this before. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 41, when Jesus calmed the storm, his disciples looked at each other and they said, what manner of man is this? Amazed, uh, amazed. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 23, the Bible says that when Jesus healed the demon possessed, the response of the crowd was the same. All the people were amazed and said, can this truly be the son of David? Beloved, we sing about it, don't we? We sing amazing grace, and well, we should. But, beloved, grace is amazing only because Jesus is amazing. And this, this, this is what was happening in the temple on that day. Those in the temple that day were amazed. They were amazed at his manner and his mannerism. They were amazed at his confidence and his character. They were amazed by his questions. No one, no one, beloved, young or old, asked questions like that. No one ever had. His questions were different. They were different because they were God's questions. And you understand, beloved, when God asks a question, he doesn't ask questions to get information. When God asks a question, he asks questions to reveal that God already knows the answers do you. That's what God, when God came and asked Adam, Adam, where art thou? God wasn't looking for information. He wanted to know if Adam knew that God knew. He asked Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? He asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? He asked Peter, who do you say that I am? He asked Paul, why do you persecute me. These are the questions that God asks. Questions that pierce the heart. Questions that, uh, that remind us of his mercy and his grace toward us. Questions that are full of kindness and questions of salvation and eternity. These are the questions that God asks. These are the questions that Jesus amazed them with. Because they probably sounded like questions only God could ask. And they were questions that only God would know the answers to. And they were amazed. But not only were the teachers amazed, beloved, the Bible says that so too were his 
earthly parents. Mary and Joseph. In verse 48, it says, And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Astonished. They were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Mary and Joseph, beloved, were astonished. They were amazed, shocked, nearly knocked off their feet. And what was so shocking? What was so shocking, beloved, is not only because Jesus was standing there in the temple listening and instructing the teachers, but what was equally shocking to them is that this was unusual behavior for Jesus to cause his parents such distress. But Jesus was a compliant, obedient son. Never a problem. Never a problem. The perfect older brother, always looking out for his siblings. Beautiful son, always helping dad, always assisting mom. But this was different. And Mary didn't understand. Jesus, you had never done anything like this. And she was anxious. She was worried. She was distressed. The thought of losing Jesus was overwhelming. Overwhelming, overwhelming. Yes, he was Messiah. Yes, he was the son of God. But for Mary, this was her baby. And she was distressed. And Jesus reassured her. She hadn't lost Jesus. He wasn't lost. Beloved, because you can't lose Jesus. He was right where he was supposed to be. He was doing what he was supposed to do. And he comforted her with some amazing words. Notice what Jesus said to her in verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? In other words, beloved, Jesus said, Mother, my father is not looking for me. I am in my father's house. Not Joseph, but Jehovah. And Mary said, But your father and I have been looking everywhere for you. And Jesus says, no, no, my father always knows right where I am. For this is the reason why he came, beloved. He came to reveal the father. This is the mission of the son of God. Everything Jesus did. 
and everything Jesus said was so that we might know God as our Father. To reveal the Father God to us. And to know Jesus as the Son of God is to know God as his Father. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, do you understand what he taught them in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9? He said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Because Jesus had come to reveal to us who the Father is. And not only who the Father is, but how we might know him. How we might worship him. When the disciples wanted to see and know God the Father for themselves, what did Jesus say in John chapter 14 and verse 9? He says, well, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This, 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 beloved, was the revelation with which Jesus entered the temple. This is what he entered the temple to reveal. That he as the Son of God and God as his Father. God the Father sent God the Son to teach and to save the world. That is the point. And this was the wisdom with which Jesus answered all their questions. This is why they couldn't understand. Because nobody had ever called God their father. Nobody understood intimacy with God like that. How could anybody call the temple his father's house? This was Jesus. This is the wisdom with which he answered their questions. This is the grace and mercy which he displayed that day. And this is what Mary and Joseph didn't understand. And even in this, beloved, even in this, Jesus was amazing. Jesus was amazing. For knowing and seeing their distress, what did Jesus do? He did, beloved, perhaps the most amazing thing of all. Jesus submitted to Joseph and Mary. You know, one of, the, one, of, one of the most amazing things I have learned about Jesus over the years, beloved, is that my faults and my failures, my worries, my doubts, and my ignorances don't send him away. It only causes him to pull me closer. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. And after Jesus explained the situation to Mary and Joseph, after he explained to them what he was doing, the Bible says in verse 50, 
but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus was 12 years old, and his parents didn't have a clue. Don't miss this, beloved. Jesus was 12 years old, and his parents didn't have a clue. One of the marks of youth is that you think you know more than you do. This is particularly true of children with regard to parents. Most kids think they know more than their parents, especially teenagers. I know I did. And truth be told, most of you did too. You thought you knew more than your parents. And in truth, we didn't. Listen, teens. Here's a revelation for you. You don't know more than your parents do. Okay, you don't. I know, I know they act funny. And I know sometimes they sound silly. And I know sometimes they don't know the words to use. But you don't know more than they do. But you know who did know more than his parents? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus knew more than his parents. Jesus. And yet the Bible tells us that though he knew more than they did, he submitted to them and became obedient, humbled himself before them and became obedient. Why? He became obedient, beloved, because we are not. Listen to me, parents. The next time your son is disobedient, praise Jesus. Praise God that Jesus paid for that. The next time that your daughter is rebellious, give the Lord praise and thank God that Jesus paid for that too. When we sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, that includes your children's rebellion and disobedience. And yours Two. Praise the Lord for the gracious reminders when your children are rebellious. Jesus died for that. He paid for that. When your children are disobedient, praise the Lord. Jesus died for that too. And notice what the Bible says, verse 51. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Beloved, this is absolutely amazing. This is absolutely amazing. His knowledge didn't puff him up. His knowledge didn't lead him to rebellion. His knowledge didn't lead him into disobedience. But his knowledge led him into submission. Quiet and humble submission. Submission to God. 
and submission to those whom God had placed as authority in his life. Listen, listen, beloved. Jesus, Jesus didn't have to submit to Mary and Joseph. He didn't have to listen to them. He was their Lord. He was the Son of God. But he did it. He did it, not just, beloved, not just for the glory of God. He did it because we don't. He did it for us. He did it so that you and I might be saved. In Philippians in chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, Speaking of Jesus, the Bible says, He who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Beloved, you can hear these words and think of Jesus with his parents, Mother Mary and Joseph. Being equal with God did not consider that something to use to his advantage, but rather made of himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Grew up as a 12-year-old boy and submitted to earthly parents for the glory of God, the Father, but also so that you and I might be saved. Jesus, Jesus is amazing, beloved. This is, this is absolutely amazing. And to know Jesus, beloved, is to be amazed. And the more you more you know, the more the amazement grows. Amazed, amazed by his mercy. This is, this is what Paul says. Amazed by his mercy that I, the chief of sinners, would receive mercy. Amazing. Amazed by his love. As John, John says, what manner of love is this that he would call me and you children of God? Amazed, amazed by his grace. That he would look, that he would look beyond my faults and failures. That he would see my needs. And that the grace of God would be poured out into my life. Opening my eyes that I might see opening my ears that I might hear, opening my heart that I might know Jesus. Amazing, amazing. To know Jesus is to be amazed by him. Not only because I know him, beloved, but because I know me. And he still loves me. He still keeps me. He still cherishes me.
he still saves me. And that's why the songwriter had it right, beloved, when he says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder, wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, ignorant, and unclean. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my song shall forever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Simply, simply amazing. Lord, I pray. I, 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 I guarantee you, beloved, that the household of Mary and Joseph was never the same. Everything now was just amazing. How about you this morning? Look with new eyes at how amazing Christ is and his amazements would fill your day. See this boy, Jesus, as he is called, and be amazed. And know again that this is the Savior who walks with you every day. And be amazed. Be astonished again and anew at this Christmas season. Let's pray.